Just imagine, like, hopefully this isn't true, but somewhere it's like all of our phones, somebody sees everything. Well, Wade Barrett's watching you, Theory, so just know that. Welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, I think. It's going to be a rough one. I am running on fumes and fumes alone. I will explain more in moments, but first, I must welcome my special co-host. He's not that special. You hear him each and every week. He is the voice of NXT 2.0. He is the Woody to my buzz. Nice. Vic Joseph. Vic, I'm apologizing from the top, man. I'm going to need you to help carry me through this show this week. I am exhausted because I had my first travel snafu in many, many months. As you know, we spend the majority of our lives on the road. And when your flight connection gets canceled and you get stranded in a city with no available flights until 13 hours after your scheduled flight, you drive. So on my way home from Norfolk, we had a nice little layover in Washington, DC where my flight was canceled. And then I was, uh, was forced to rent a car and make the drive only four hours. I shouldn't be complaining too hard, but doing all that on three hours of sleep, not exactly uh, beneficial to the thinking process. So you I'm apologizing wheel in man with you. I need the wheel man. Yes. You needed absolutely. the wheel man for that little trip. I was the wheel man. I, I made the drive with one of our beloved cameramen, uh, Rico, who was also on the same flight that was stranded so we we had ourselves a little impromptu road trip but the important thing is here i am back in my lair with all of my lovely recording equipment to bring you all of the news and views that you need in all things wwe right well yes and you were just you kind of jinxed yourself with this whole travel thing because it wasn't long ago on this program you were talking with uh can't remember the guest at the time and maybe it was corbin about Man, we look back and think about how great the Thunderdome was, and right. I haven't had an issue with travel yet. And then, wham! Yep, I, I later I put it into the universe. It's my fault, but alas, it, it wasn't a a day ruiner. It was just a an inconvenient way. It was a day extender, and uh, my body has just not yet caught up to the required amount of sleep. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira. Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before we get any further, Vic, because everybody's asking themselves this question, there's a particular set of circumstances that went down this past Monday at Raw. There are speculations and rumors all over the place. I was on the air when it went down. I only know the information that was provided to me. And in the days since, while everybody continues to speculate, I don't have any more information. I don't know enough about the circumstance or the situation or which side did what. Uh, So I'm just going to avoid it. I'm being perfectly honest and transparent with everybody. I would love to dive into this conversation because it's set the internet on fire. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has a point of view. I don't know enough facts about what actually went down to speak on it with any confidence. All I know is what you guys know. And I was getting updates throughout the the show on Monday uh, as needed because we were doing a show. Um, So if, if there comes a point in time where it becomes something we know facts about, I will happily dive into that for our listeners pleasure. Um, But until then, we're just going to stick with what we know, what we know to be true. Well, I know nothing because I was in Orlando, Florida getting ready for NXT, which is what I know about this week. Perfect. And man, we're getting ready for the NXT In Your House premium live event takes place the night before the Hell in the Cell premium live event. Last night, though, the one thing that sticks out to me, and I know you had a busy, busy, busy schedule of travel, Creed Brothers, Viking Raiders, tore the house down again the second time and there's a lot of things that i like about the creed brothers when we get in that in a second but to see the viking raiders and i hate to say the old viking raiders i was there in nxt when they were just kicking everyone's ass and they seem to have that twinkle in their eye once again where they were doing viking raiders stuff i like it i completely agree and i think the viking raiders are a perfect example of a, a team who haven't necessarily been able to sustain a lot of momentum on Raw or SmackDown. They've had spurts. They've had, you know, good matches and interesting uh, stories. Former champions. They, exactly. There's nothing, nothing to turn your nose up at. But I don't think I'm in the wrong here, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, that the Vikings that we knew in NXT that, to your point, just beat everybody's ass have not been the same guys. The presentation's been different. Obviously, they, they were the, the War Raiders, in NXT, correct? That was the name? The correct. War Raiders. They were still War, war Raiders. Uh, and they, they were dominant. They were smash mouth. They would just come out and kick your ass and beat you up. And that doesn't always fly. It doesn't always translate with our audience because the NXT audience is a, is a fraction of the Raw and SmackDown audience that is more geared to that style of wrestling, which is really their wheelhouse. I think them spending a little bit of time, I don't think it's going to be permanent. It could be. I don't know a little more time getting back to their roots could be great and maybe exactly what Eric and Ivar needed because they, they, they took them out of their comfort zone, sort of threw them into the fire and, and it took them a while to find their footing, but they did. But recently they, they need a, a new boost, a new spark and mixing it up with two up and coming studs who I'm a massive fan of in the Creed brothers. I think that's exactly what Eric and Ivar have needed. And I think this could be great for their careers. Would you call it a fresh coat of paint or would you say peeling the fresh coat of paint off and going yeah, back maybe to the stripping original? It down. Strip it down a little bit. Get back to, to brass tacks. Get back to what made you the force in the first place. What captivated the, the NXT audience at the time. Uh, and maybe they, they can go back to their roots and say, hey, 
we got away from this. Oh, we used to do this and it used to work really well. I don't know why we stopped doing that. It happens a lot of times, you know, look at like Mandy Rose, Mandy Rose on the, on the main roster, Raw, SmackDown, whatever you want to call it, didn't exactly set the world on fire. Comes back to NXT, finds her footing, develops her character. And now toxic attraction is, is one of the hottest acts in all of WWE. And she's been a dominant champion because she had to go back to the drawing board. What she was, while effective, I mean, she had moments and, and memories and matches, but it wasn't that next tier that every superstar is looking to reach. And I think, hopefully, for the Viking Raiders, this is going to provide them that. But I want to talk about the other side of the coin. I want to talk about the Creed Brothers. I do want to talk about the Creed Brothers because since they've arrived, which is a very short time, they really have been fun to watch, grow, call their matches, because I think people forget Brutus was undefeated in NCAA competition. Julius was an ACC standout at Duke who got all the way to the Olympic trials and then said, pause that. I actually want to go to NXT. So thank you very much, but I'm going to go down here and try to live my dream in Orlando to become a WWE superstar. It's a fascinating story in to see the growth, man. They're, they're paired with Roderick Strong, Ivy Nile, Diamond Mine. The Creed brothers have put out, to use one of your words, bangers every time they've been in the ring. I agree with you, and I haven't seen a lot of them. I've seen them when I when I know they're on, or if I catch a clip, you know, in the hindsight. Have you met them yet? I have not. I don't, not to my knowledge. If I met them, it was a, a group meeting, and I may have said hello, and but I haven't had a chance to interact or sit down and chat with either of those guys. But to see what potential is there right now, and how raw they both are, it's almost like like two badass lumps of clay that are just getting bigger and stronger and faster week after week. And they're so comfortable already. And their style is unique to them. The way they incorporate their amateur wrestling background into their pro wrestling offense. I just think they're different. I think they're fresh. They're credible. They're believable. And I think we're going to be talking about the Creed brothers for, for years to come. Julius also, he listens to the show and he goes, Hey, by the way, that, amateur wrestling culture that Chad Gable was talking about. Where yeah. With the singlet exchange. He goes, Oh, that's, that's true. He goes, I have shoes. And then he actually wears those shoes. Part of his gear every week. He sometimes wears other amateurs, including guys from like Greece that are like world-class athletes really? that have gifted him because of what they've seen him do in ACC at Duke. Oh, so it's actually really cool. That's pretty wild. Julius and Brutus. He was like, yeah, dude, that's real. That's not a, that's not a joke. Like we'd stand out there with, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, no, dude, that's, that is a true, true story. But now to get back into the here and now. I'm an, the, I'm an even bigger fan of them now because they listen to my show. They're awesome. I, we use the thing print money. Yeah. Okay. Once they get it and a little bit, Ivy Niles the same way, just agreed. go and have fun with it. Like, I've here you go. Spoken about how impressed that I've been with her uh, several times and she continues to improve. And, and you can't overlook the value of having Roderick Strong, a yeah. true veteran. While he may not be a household name to most of the WWE universe, to those within the wrestling world, Roddy's an OG, man. Roddy's been around for a long time and done just about everything there is to do. So the, the wealth of knowledge that Roddy possesses and is, I'm sure, able to impart on the creeds, on Ivy, you know, not necessarily on screen, but you're traveling together, you're training together, you're, you're figuring out what's next. I think that's a great piece to that puzzle. And I think it can't be overlooked what it means to have somebody in that position of that caliber of a Roderick Strong with what he knows the value, not only to the brand of NXT, but, you know, to, to the diamond mine in particular, which sort of reminds me of what's going on on Monday night with the judgment day. 
Hall of Famer Edge, right? Edge needs no introduction. Edge has been there, done that three times over, and he's still doing it. He's still in incredible shape and still as capable now as he's been in a long, long time. This, to me, let, let's take away the actual characters and what the, the Judgment Day have done. Let's look at it from an objective perspective, building superstars. Okay. You've got Edge. It does not get any more credible than Edge. Correct? No argument here. Yeah, for me. Rhea Ripley has been very, very impressive in her relatively short reign in WWE. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think she's the only woman to hold the NXT UK women's NXT women's raw women's title. And she's still, for all intents and purposes, pretty brand new from a, from a career perspective. Yeah. Damian Priest, another guy. Priest traveled the independence, been all over the world, didn't, did this, did that. Got to WWE, had some momentum, United States title reign, but Priest was still sort of maybe lacking something. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know exactly what that is. But now you've got Edge sitting in his throne at the top of the mountain of omnipotence, however you want to dress it up. You have got a Hall of Famer teaching two very, very capable, credible athletes how to become top superstars. Not in the mix, not, fe- I mean, Priest and Rhea both featured on TV pretty much every week, pretty regularly in, in, in reasonable spots. But now Edge and his mere presence with those two now elevates all three of them. And as this judgment day progresses back to the television storyline wise, I'm curious to see where this goes. What is the judgment day's motivation? We know why they've found one another. Edge has explained that very eloquently for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Edge imparted that wisdom on Rhea, on Priest. Now, what are they going to do? Do they all, do they want to win all the titles? Do they want to take over Monday Night Raw? Do they want to battle the bloodline? I, I don't know what the end game is. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm not complaining. I'm just sort of thinking out loud because, again, I'm running on empty right now. Uh, so if this stuff doesn't exactly make sense, it's because I'm talking it out and, and trying to figure it out as it's leaving my mouth. But what have you thought recently about the, the Judgment Day? I, I love the point you make about uh, Rhea and Priest specifically because when you look at them and I think of, of Rhea Ripley, I see someone who has had every WrestleMania she's been on, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, she's been in a championship match. Charlotte right. Flair, you know, the list goes on. Sure. So, man, what is she missing? There is something. Damian Priest, United States champion, all the thing you ran through. What is he missing? Now you add that ingredient, so to speak, in edge. Yes, it elevates them. But now that you bring up, well, what's the end game? What's the, what's the reasoning for it? I'm thinking, well, what's the, ing- what's the ingredient that's missing? Is it the continued evolution of the Judgment right. Day? Is there five more members that are coming in? Is Edge now taking a back seat and he's going to be the puppet master, so to speak, and we're going to see another layer? Because here's what I think about when I think of Edge. Edge, for whatever reason, is always able to reinvent himself since the beginning. So now are we seeing another reinvention of the character Edge that, hey, cut his hair, suits, looks different, lighting. Now is he going to step back and play puppet master? We've never seen him do that before. Like there, there's, there's a million questions, yeah, right. which makes interesting television to me because now I want to tune in to say, well, what are these guys going to do next? Who are they aiming for next? Because we know who they're aiming for in this moment. AJ Styles, Finn Balor. Finn Balor, another one who went to NXT and got a fresh coat of paint. Right, right. That's a great, great comparison. You know, and, and reinvented himself. But now they've added Liv Morgan. You talk about Edge elevating Priest 
and Rhea. You talk about Roderick Strong elevating those around Diamond Mine. AJ Styles and Finn Balor, Hall of Fame guys in their own right, can now turn around and say, hey, Liv, whoop, hoist you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. A rising rising tide raises all ships. And, and sort of in a, a very similar manner, obviously the it's the ratio is different. But now, yeah, let, I think Liv's a perfect example that you brought that up. Liv is, is a woman who is incredibly talented. Nobody will disagree with that. Nobody will argue. If I had to offer a criticism, it is as a commentator, Vic, we talk about this a lot. I, we sell things, right? We sell characters. We and sell storylines. We explain that. We, we are, yes, we're narrators. We're salesmen. That's, that is our job as, as, as simply defined as possible. I have trouble selling live because I don't know. I can't put a label on live, which I, and I, 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 I understand it sounds negative or backward. I'm not asking her to put a label on herself. I'm just trying to find out. Still, we know she's a wildly talented in-ring competitor. We know she's charismatic. She's attractive. She's bubbly. She's got a big personality. Liv's got all the ingredients. Liv has all of the tools to be a megastar. But I feel like there's something that just hasn't clicked. Could AJ Styles and Finn Balor be the genesis of this, the next step in Liv Morgan's career? Because you can't hang around AJ Styles and Finn Balor and not learn things. Right. And, and, and Liv, yes. to her credit, is already a student of the game. For someone who didn't have a, a run on the indies and her first foray into this business was under the WWE umbrella, uh, Liv dove in head first or with both feet or however you want to, whatever analogy you, you want to use. She's a student of the game. She studies. She, you hear her asking questions. She's constantly following people around backstage and picking their brains. And she's in the ring before the show is trying to work on her craft. So I've got all the respect in the world for, for her. And it's not for lack of effort on her part. I'm just thinking that maybe this could be exactly what Liv needed. You, you put Liv in the same conversation with, and standing across the ring from Edge, who is still going to be a factor. Even when you're competing against somebody, you learn something from them. And I think this could be big. And, and I go back because I'm hearing everything you're saying. And I think I was in NXT when Liv was in NXT. So it sort of came up together. She would go in the ring all the time and work on different moves with the dummies. Still does. And try to figure things out. So it isn't for a lack of trying. But when you think of, it's almost like it's going to be osmosis. She's going to yes. learn through osmosis yes. here because she's going to see it firsthand. And this is no knock against anyone she has ever been in the ring with, partnered with, faction, whatever you, whatever word you want to throw out. I don't think, in my mind, she has been in a a group or have been around people in matches the caliber of Edge, AJ Styles, Rhea, to her credit, shorten her career, and Finn and Damian Priest. Those are they're all going to be able to help. And sure. you're going to see the evolution of Liv Morgan because it is the missing ingredient. You have to be able to learn something from the two guys that you're with. And maybe their graves in this conversation, you will find what Liv Morgan is. You will be able to sell who Liv Morgan is on Mondays. I agree. And that, that's my hope. That's my intention. Obviously, you, you want what's best for business at all times. And, and Liv has shown glimpses of it. She's been right there several times, but hasn't been able to quite cross that threshold into mega stardom. Maybe this is it. And maybe, maybe Finn Balor and the phenomenal AJ Styles are the catalyst to start this change. It goes back to last week talking to Jimmy and Jay. They had to find themselves. And I asked them, I go, how hard is it to find yourself? And it's silly to say because it's like, I know who I am. Corey Graves knows who he is. But 
how do you sell? You got to find it. And it's hard to find it within yourself. It's not an easy thing. I think people watch Raw and SmackDown and NXT and go, oh, they should be able to figure it out. It's not as simple as, as two plus two. No, I agree. But I'm excited to see where this is all headed. And I know certain members of the WWE universe get really, really excited every time Finn and AJ throw up the two sweet little hearkening back to their days. and Flight Club, huge laugh for me sitting on the couch this past week, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. That just kind of came out off the top of my head. I just said you went Flight Club. I went, oh, I was good. I was eating popcorn and I had six packs of Gushers. Cause well, I good. Like you know who doesn't like Gushers, Vic? And I'm pretty sure he's not a fan of you either. That's not true. You didn't even let me finish my sentence yet. I was implying that is the person who is kind enough to grace us with his very presence on this very... Is WWE the only place in the world where everything is prefaced by very... In this very building, in this very ring. Yeah, I know it was, it's not a Triple H thing either. It's like everybody says in this very, I don't go like in this very theater, I did this. On this very room, on this very show, we have a very special guest. I was, I sidetracked myself because my yes, brain is not functioning. So <laughs> I'm going to get back to the task at hand. He is the youngest United States champion in WWE history. Gracing us with his presence once again, please welcome Theory. First of all, Theory, welcome back to ATB. My producers informed me that the last time you joined us was in December of this past year. And the amount of accomplishments that you have achieved in the six or so months since is some people would be content with calling it a career. Did you ever expect to be this red hot this early in your WWE tenure? I think for myself, I always knew that I'd, you know, achieve a lot because I, I was so dedicated at a young age to getting to WWE. But um, the detail of what's happened since December, uh, of course, I, I couldn't see that exactly. But just how crazy the events have been that uh, have really, I feel, catapulted me um, from where I was in December to where I am now. It's, uh, yeah, I, I did not see that happening, but uh, it's awesome. I'd like to point out that when we had you on in December and we were talking to you, kind of like in a, a kitchen area, but now you have like a furnished office or room. So theory has really done some growing up in the last five or six months. It's very important to draw attention to the detail of the chairs our guests are sitting in, Vic, on an audio podcast. We're going to get nine seconds. We're going seconds. to see the videos of it. They are. They are. Well, let's talk about theory. We had the freaking youngest United States champion in WWE history on the line here with us on ATB. Uh, let's go back. Run me back to the best of your ability. I know it's probably a bit of a blur. It's been a whirlwind since December. But what stands out to you right now? Obviously, around that time, late December, early January, you become Mr. McMahon's on-screen protege, which, again, that in and of itself is a massive, massive opportunity. But it's one thing to be given an opportunity it's another to succeed. As you look back, what, what was going through your minds? What were some of the pivotal moments in, in the last few months for you? So for me, uh, you know, once the whole uh, me still in the egg thing happened, uh, Survivor Series and just getting to step in there with guys like Seth Rollins, um, Sheamus and Finn Balor um, and just be a part of that. And everybody knows the history of Survivor Series and then going on to the Royal Rumble and being in there over 20 minutes um, and then later being in uh, Saudi Arabia for the Elimination Chamber 
and hanging in there with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I'm gonna stop you. Real, I'm gonna stop you right there because it, it was it caught wildfire on social media. The the moment where the Beast Incarnate f five you from the top of a pod in the elimination chamber was that the scariest moment of your adult life? <laughs> it absolutely was. It absolutely <laughs> was. And just to like the fear of like I remember standing in the ring. And Brock came out last and just listening to the crowd chant, Lesnar, Lesnar. I was like, we're about to just get eaten alive. Like, this guy's going to kill us. How do you stop yourself from, from getting caught in that moment? Because you're, you're an admitted lifelong WWE fan. You've watched, obviously, many times Brock Lesnar compete, do what he does. What's going through your mind when that's happening, when you go, oh, wait a minute. I am in a WWE ring. And that guy that I grew up terrified of is coming to kick my ass now. But you still know there's a job to do. You still have to perform and be on. How do you separate that? How do you keep it all together? I feel like in a way, I, I don't. I mean, I, I was running from him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was like, you know what? This is now going to be a steel cage match because I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> and uh, that didn't work out too well for me. And uh, I think that was one of the scariest moments uh, in that match was or so far in my career was being that high up and having my head out of the elimination chamber and literally looking down and seeing Brock on the floor. And then next thing I know, as soon as I look back down, he's just grabbing my legs. And I'm like, what? Like, how does a human move that fast? Everybody I've ever talked to about Lesnar says the same thing. It's almost the same story that Seth Rollins told me. This was, there was a triple threat a few years back. It was Rollins, Cena and Lesnar at the Royal rumble. I, I don't remember the year. Uh, and there was a, a point where Rollins jumped over the barricade and Brock hurdled the barricade and grabbed him. And I said, man, it looked like you were moving. I was talking to Rollins after the match. I said, it looked like you were, you were genuinely running for your life. And he goes, oh, I was, I felt like I was being hunted by a live tiger. And he said that he was the only thing he could compare Lesnar to with the speed and how fast and how big and overwhelming Brock is. Rollins went, I was legitimately running away. I wasn't, yeah. you know, taking a half step, waiting for him to come catch me. I was running for my damn life. And Lesnar still managed to yoke him up and then beat the hell out of him. Yeah, and you feel like after one of those experiences, like, you'd figure it out. But uh, no, that's not the case. Because I later had a match with Brock at Madison Square Garden. And uh, it was the main event for the WWE title. Okay, and, stop uh, again. I, got stop. I know you, you keep wanting to tell stories and I want to hear them. But the fact that you're so casually just listing these things that people literally dream of, people within the company dream of someday I would love to compete at Madison Square Garden, let alone against Brock Lesnar in the main event. For yeah. the championship. I, lo yeah. I love that you're just, you're, you're being casual about this and it's great and it's befitting of you. But I'm just saying from an outsider's perspective, you can't lose sight of how damn amazing this is. For, I, I guess for that story that I was just saying, I have to be a little casual and cool because in that match, all I got in was a big boot in the beginning to his guy. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but actually now thinking it, it was actually not that way. I thought I was going to do a big boot to him. I got the big boot. And after that, it was just suplex city and an F5. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to play cool, but you know what? Never mind. <laughs> It'll work out for me. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, 
there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. Stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You had a, a moment too, and I, I want to go back to the Royal Rumble because there's a video that I saw of you walking out into uh, the dome in St. Louis and your eyes got really wide and you're like, whoa, Royal Rumble. I mean, that's just another, like Graves, you were just talking about how many people would love to just say they competed in the Royal Rumble. You went out there, lasted 20 minutes. What did that moment mean to you as a fan being able to say, man, I, I did it. I was in the Rumble for an extended amount of time. Well, for me, always growing up, the Royal Rumble was like my favorite match just because of the excitement of not knowing who's in the match, but also the way the match is. And I just thought it was always so cool, like people getting thrown out of the ring. And for me as a kid, I was like, oh, this is great. Like if you're standing on a bed with your friends and like whoever falls on the floor, if you're on the trampoline, whoever falls on the ground, I'm not promoting that. But I'm just saying, uh, yeah, it's just it's such a cool match and being a part of that. And we all know like what that victory in a Royal Rumble means, and it can change your career. So I think being a part of that and lasting over 20 minutes, you know, there might have been a chance that I could have won and went to WrestleMania in the main event. I want to talk to you for a second about being Mr. McMahon's protege. Obviously on screen, that is what draws the ire of the WWE universe. But we talk a lot about opportunities, right? That's what this business is all about, getting an opportunity and being able to capitalize on it. To this point, you've done a spectacular job of capitalizing. And I want to talk to to Austin, the man who grew up a fan, loving this business and worked your ass off to get to this point. In your opinion, what is it about you that has allowed you to succeed and capitalize on these opportunities? Is there is there some secret mentality that you have because a lot of people you know in the in the locker room will say oh man i i I had that chance and i couldn't make it work or this guy has tried that in the past drew mcintyre famously was christened the chosen one by the chairman and it took drew damn near a decade to finally find his footing and, and right the ship you've come out of the gate strong what is it about you that allows you to capitalize so frequently on these chances I feel like for me, uh, and I think we talked about it last time, like how I grew up and I was like just a a weird kid because I was just so dedicated at a young age to preparing myself for this with the working out and the bodybuilding and all that stuff. But I think the discipline of um, even if I don't feel motivated, that discipline's always there to, you know, carry me. And I feel like I'm always motivated um, and I haven't reached that point where I'm not. But um, it definitely helps having that discipline. But in that situation, for me, I just think like all these things that are happening in these crazy situations, it's like, but this is what you wanted. This is what you worked hard for. So just have fun. Just enjoy it. 
And I think for me, honestly, every time I do uh, one of these things, one of these crazy moments or opportunities that I get, I just live in it and I enjoy it because I'm not so focused on on being um, at the end or, or being the guy already. I want to enjoy all the steps in between. I want to enjoy getting the United States championship, enjoying that run, whatever it is, you know, and just each little piece, because I feel like if you get there too fast, it's like after what do you do? And I just think it's way cooler just being able to build that up and then hold it there and keep it there and even elevate myself when it's supposedly the top. I love that. I love that mentality. Man. That's, that's a great that's, mindset. We talk about it too, Graves, all the time, enjoying moments. You look yeah. back and you're like, ah, damn, I wish I would have sat back and enjoyed this and whatever it is. I do want to ask uh, Austin enjoying moments. Really in Dallas was the first time you enjoyed WrestleMania, quote unquote, on the main roster. And so what was that experience for you? Because I'm sure you had some conversations with your family because that was another dream come true. Yeah, for me that day, I I literally, like there was so much going on. And I think the thing that set it off for me was meeting Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, meeting him in the back. And uh, he, he was going to get on a golf cart and they were riding him around. And uh, before he got on, I was like, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Austin. And he went to shake my hand. And he was like, oh, very nice to meet you. I'll be seeing you later tonight. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then, so as soon as I hear that, I just walk away and I'm like, you know, in this big arena and I'm walking down this hallway about myself and I'm like, holy, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, you know? And uh, later, like we end up in Gorilla and uh, find out everything that's happening. And I'm just like, well, I, uh, I have this stunner cell that I've been holding in a long time. And I, I can't wait. And I'm not going to tell anybody. So went out there, did that. And that was This crazy. is the level of discipline and preparation possessed by theory. You knew how you wanted to be stunned. <laughs> you knew how you wanted that. That is crazy. That's, that's other level preparation. Uh, but when you were out there, did you, were you able to enjoy it? Oh, absolutely. And I remember him telling me too, uh, when I was standing uh, in the corner and, and he was arguing with uh, Mr. McMahon, this is Stone Cold. They're arguing with each other. And he was like, I'll give you this look. When I give you this look, start throwing, come at me, start throwing some punches. And I was like, man. And I remember standing in there and I could just feel my heart like ready to go. Cause I just knew what was about to happen. And as soon as he looked at me, I was like, oh, hell yeah. It was so <laughs> fun, man. It's these stories and these moments that still make me giddy hearing it from theory. Like oh, you, you've man. got 80,000 80, people in AT&T stadium and nobody's having more fun than the guy getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool, man. Cause like I said, just enjoying those moments. And it's so cool. Like you're standing there and you're in the ring with Mr. McMahon. You're in the ring with stone cold, Steve Austin at WrestleMania. And I literally know the next thing that's going to happen. And I'm just like, wow, like this is, it's just speechless sometimes. Like, I don't, I don't even have words for that because, you know, you start, you know, wrestling training and, and you find a school and whether you grew up watching it or not. And it's, uh, for me, you know, it was my passion and just going from that and doing all these little shows before you get signed to WWE. And it's crazy to know, like, oh, this is where you could end up or this is where I ended up. And it's, it's just wild. We were talking before you joined us on the call about uh, the recent alliance of Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan. And Balor and Styles are two guys that you've got to compete against quite a lot uh, in, in recent months. In addition to Styles and 
Balor, who are some of the superstars you've learned the most from by competing against in this run? I want to say just because you did mention those two, I do want to put a lot of praise to those two. Um, just because when it comes to live events, especially, I think Finn, I've worked the most on live events. Um, man, that dude has helped me so much. And uh, both of them, just the the knowledge and uh, really just like understanding and, and not having to just don't do this or do this at this time and listen to this. It's just cool. Um, MVP is somebody that's a heavy influence on me. Um, he always gives me uh, heavy words of wisdom um, and just always uh, he's, he's very good at motivating me. But at the same time, you know, if I ever have a question or, you know, just curious about something, that's definitely somebody I can go to. And just being around guys that uh, um, like like Riddle, for example, and, and Priest that, you know, they've been doing this for a little bit and especially where they're at. And I feel like we're all in good spots, but just having that good energy around you and hey, man, like maybe this would look better. Hey, I thought, you know, this kind of was this, but this could be this way. Like, it's just cool to know there's positive energy and, and everybody's just trying to help everybody get better. What's your favorite selfie you've taken recently? Oh, man, you know what? I would say, uh, you know, the one with Mr. McMahon, of course, when I won the United States title. But uh, the one from this past uh, Monday on Raw is pretty hilarious. Oh, yeah. With Veer in the, in the cervical clutch. Yeah. 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 I thought that was uh, very different. It was cool. I was, I was very pleased that I made the joke on commentary a few weeks back. It was you and Miz taking a selfie and I, I tried to photobomb it and WWE put it on, on Instagram that. and I made it. <laughs> I yeah. just remember thinking, I, I thought realistically it was never going to happen and it worked and I was just, it made me, made me laugh. Like, like think about the window of like how much space you have to fit into that picture and you did it. Dude, you did it. That's awesome. I remember seeing that and everybody was like, yeah, Corey Graham's photo bomb. And I was like, what? And I like click it and I'm like, where is it at? And then I'm like, oh my gosh. It was, crazy. <laughs> it was long range. Dude, you might be good at doing the selfies, man. <laughs> Graves, you know the story about the selfies where those photos go, not just in his phone. His, his phone that he takes those selfies with is connected to Wade Barrett's iPad somehow. Well, it's like logged into the same cloud account or? I don't know what it is, but I... I he will theory what is this the, true what the hell is this and if, if theory will sit there and take a hundred selfies because he just sits there and clicks it all hundred end up showing up on wade barrett's ipad and we'll go through them on tuesday and laugh so theory make sure you're taking the right photos wait, wait I, I still need to know why 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 does wade barrett get theory's selfies did, did barrett like commandeer one of the company's ipads or are they logged into the same account what what's happening that doesn't make hey, sense to me i don't know what's going on but i'm so waiting for theory to throw like a wade barrett figure in the toilet take the selfie wade comes out of retirement heads over to cardiff i have a whole thing planned okay all right how about that uh, yeah. that's why we don't let you plan anything theory is this is this true do you know anything about this I, I have no idea about this. I'm giving this phone. Imagine that, man. Look at that. The privacy here. Jeez. I know. This is this is a privacy issue. I, I, this, is, this is the youngest United States champion in WWE history, Vic, and his personal property. Oh, don't is be being, mad at me. Is being, oh, well, let's get Wade on the line. We need to talk. We need to figure this Call out. Call him up. I don't understand. I, I'm not much of a technology guy, but that's, that sounds a little shady. To there me. are some streams that are crossed. Just imagine, like, like hopefully this isn't true, but somewhere it's like all of our phones, somebody sees everything. Like, that just scares me. It's terrifying. In this day and age, you need to, to use that. I mean, that's how people, people don't carry cameras often anymore. Everyone needs yeah. you know, all your stuff. It's, it's very, it's terrifying. 
Yeah. I mean, you'll be in the kitchen making food and not thinking anybody's watching you, and they are. It's weird. Well, Wade Barrett's watching you, Theory, so just know that. Gosh. I think the only solution to this fear is that, Theory, you need to be in full gear at all times and prepared to represent WWE as the United States champion 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to know that when you're when you're in your kitchen making breakfast, that you've got your boots laced tight. That's I want right. to know. I want to know that you have have decided which gear you're going to wear based on the day of the week. Yeah, I like Graves. Are you, are you going to switch your? Are you going to ask Wade for the iPads? So then you can keep tabs on Theory. I'm not worried about Theory. I just think it's a little weird. I mean, the, the poor guy is taking selfies and and they're showing up in Wade Barrett's property. That's very very strange. Somebody's in charge of this. We got to figure this out. Somebody's a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be willing to bet Vic has something to do with it. Why is everything that's weird come back to me? Well, because you're a weird guy. Uh, Theory, I want to ask you, I know it's it's something that's being tossed around a lot. Uh, dare I say it's a, a grand set of shoes to fill, but the buzz has started comparing you to a particular WWE great that some would argue is the greatest of all time, your personal hero and inspiration John Cena to hear that now after what you've accomplished and what you've achieved to this point, how does that make you feel? Uh, man, it's just wild. Uh, just to think, you know, that that's, that's who got me into WWE. Um, I don't think I was ever like at first I wasn't like crazy about like sports entertainment, but I think I was just attached to that character of John Cena and how it motivated me. And, and like we talked about before, um, and now to see that kind of come to light and interact with me where I'm at in my career is, uh, it's just amazing. And like I said before, it's wild. And just to think like the time of day, just to say anything to me, that's really cool. And, uh, especially what he did say on Twitter, I, I just thought that was, uh, it was very interesting, but at the same time, very motivating. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And, uh, you know, it's WWE. We never know what could happen. And uh, I feel like we do have a feeling what what could happen pretty soon, though. I like that. I like that tease. That's that's a good tease. Nice hook just set by Theory. Theory, let me ask you this. So you get to obviously spend a significant amount of time around Mr. McMahon. What is something that you feel comfortable sharing? I would never want you to betray the trust that has been put in you by by the chairman. But what's something you've learned either about the business or maybe not about business at all, maybe about life from Mr. McMahon and the time you've been able to spend with him? I think with him, uh, this is just uh, maybe not something that he's personally told me, but just the way I, I see him and the way he works and, and how he just somehow gets everything done and how he has all these things around him going on. But somehow he, he keeps his control and he gets it done. And even to where, you know, he's got this whole show running. It's about to start. And me and him are, you know, in the back shooting a promo right before or it's going live and, and just how he's very collected. And I, I know that's because of the time he's, you know, had doing this and stuff like that. But just it's cool to see how you could be so busy and obviously in his position, somebody that's so known and popular just have that control and be able to narrow it down. And I think for myself, no matter what I'm doing or where I'm going to go, just having that self-control and just getting the job done and always having that discipline and that work ethic. And it just shows with him, especially when you're backstage and 
you see a guy bringing him his mill like every two hours. It's like, that's insane to me, but it's like, he's just dedicated. And anytime I went in and talked to him in his office, he's getting a mill in. Everybody knows he's always working out. And I just, I think that's awesome. Like just to have that discipline, especially to be doing this for so long. When you, when you bounce off of, you know, what, what Graves just asked you when it comes to working with Mr. McMahon, when it comes to the comparisons to John Cena, how is Theory handling those expectations? Do you feel pressure on your shoulders, whether it's every week or where you need to get or who you need to be like? So the pressure, I think in, in my life period, there's always been pressure about every situation. And I feel like to a lot of people, I've always felt that I've got to hold myself to this high standard because I've motivated a lot of people. But at the same time, it's like, well, we know he's got it. Like, we don't have to worry about it. But I think for myself, I enjoy everything. But at the same time, I know that I can only do the best that I can possibly do in that given time. So I'm not going to sit here and stress myself out. I can only be the best that I can be. And that's just how I look at it in all these situations. That's such a hard mentality to maintain. So do everything in your power to hang on to that, man, because it's rare. I got to ask you, despite all of your accomplishments, and, and we've only covered roughly six months of your career, I know you're enjoying your reign as United States champion. What's in the immediate future for Theory? What do you want? Not what the plans are, what rumblings you've heard, where you think you're going. What does Theory want next? I ultimately want to defend the United States championship against John Cena. Oh, plain and simple. He clearly was prepared for that one. (laughs) No hesitation. And many would say that that Cena uh, is the greatest United States champion of all time. Obviously, the United States championship open challenge was a staple in WWE and led to some absolute classics and bangers. I think that's a hell of a goal, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. I like like that we put that out into the universe here because – as you know, every once in a while, uh, we get lucky on ATB and something we talk about ends up seeing the light of day. I love it, man. I think when it comes to theory, what I've learned about is this is how I wanted to take a Stone Cold Stunner. He had it already in his mind. This is who I want to defend the United States Championship against, John Cena. It's already in his mind. So the last question I have for you, do you want The Miz to referee all your matches from here on out? Oh, man. You know what? I think Miz is the best referee. I think he's the best. I think I think he fits me, you know? I, I think in my matches. But I think the one with John Cena, let's just keep it me and John. Okay. You, know? you, you want to uh, you know. beat him fair and square. Where does this yeah. match take place? Do you, do you have a venue in mind? I mean, you've already done the garden. You've already checked that off your list. Casually, by the way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure on a venue. But uh, definitely, for some reason, I just feel like a SummerSlam would just be so cool. I love it. I love it. Sign me up, man. Sign me up. Just ready to SummerSlam John Cena's ass, you know? That's it, man. Well, there's your social clip. That's it. That's it, man. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. You're a busy man. You got a lot on your plate. Keep doing what you're doing. I am enjoying each and every minute of it, and you are always welcome here on ATV. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And hopefully you can photobomb another one of myself. I'm, I'm going to start planning <laughs> the next one. All right. And Vic, you need to uh, figure out what's going on with your boy Wade, man. Oh, that's the first time someone would, didn't say, hey, Vic, you need to hit the weight room or something like that. That's where I thought you were going to go because, you know, that's not going to happen. Nah, dude, you're looking jacked today. Nah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, bro. Vic, now that theory is off the line, I have to be perfectly honest with you. You do not look jacked. 
Why would you blowing say up your head? Because I, I don't mean, think it. He was. I, I listen. Ah. I care about you, and I want you to be living in reality. Well, look, you know the reality is that I have a diet of a seven-year-old child, which is smiley face potatoes and fast food. So there's no way that I'm jacked in any universe. Well, luckily, you can live vicariously through Theory, the youngest United States champion in WWE history. Always cool catching up with that dude. That guy has got a bright, bright, bright 15 times over future. He keeps his, keeps his head together in that mentality he's got, man. That's, that's what it takes to be a star. It's very unusual for someone that's his age as well, not to, for someone his age to have that mindset, I think is great. And I have no doubt that he will, but you just never know. You know what? As a matter of fact, as soon as I end this here show, I'm going to text Theory and let him know what you said. That's uncalled for and rude, but that's well, fine. I'm doing it I anyway. wouldn't expect anything else. In the meantime, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. Trust me, enough people know where to find me. Someone's probably pissed off today, too. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol. I promise to be more well-rested the next time we bring you WWE After the Bell.